Hey, Steph, what are you watching lately? <laughs> what have I been watching lately? I actually am about to record an episode where we're going to be talking about The Lighthouse, which is uh, one of my favorites. Big A24 fan. Um, what have you been up to lately? Well, we just treated ourselves to the Cube Trilogy. Oh, yeah. I freaking love Cube so much. Do you love, love, love it? Think, or do you hate, uh, love, hate, or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like legitimately love it. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty fantastic and, and super underrated. What about those sequels? Um, it's, <laughs> it's been a long time on the sequels, so uh, I need to, I need to revisit them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know about the sequels, but for sure the original is a classic. Even better. <laughs> We're going in cold. A cube. 26 rooms high. 26 rooms across. 17,576 rooms. Does anybody remember how they got here? Why would they throw innocent people in here? Are we being punished? There's a way in here, so there's got to be a way out. Do you think they'd go to all the trouble to build this thing if we could just walk out? Take a good long look around. Cause I got a feeling it's looking at us. We have about three days without food and water before we're too weak to move. I just want to wake up. I looked into a room down there and something almost cut my head off. Motion detectors integrated into the walls. Tough to spot. to get around the traps. They're identified by crime numbers. Figure it out. I can't! I'm not dying in a rat maze! No more talking. No more guessing. You gotta save yourselves from yourselves. What the hell's going on? We haven't been moving in circles. The rooms have. We have the key. The cube is us. I'm your host, Sully. Joining me from the Friday Nightmares podcast is none other than the chef who's cooking up trouble, Scott Crawford. Uh, what's going on, Sully? How you doing? I'm very good. Uh, this has been uh, very much just a long time in the making. I just like, and I figured, hey, with all the endless episodes I'm doing, it doesn't all have to get done in the year. So this has been planned for about three years now. And I was like, yeah, and let, let, let's go for it. Let's, let's cover... Uh, Pretty much what kind of kept Lion Gates back when it was known as Trimark Pictures, you know, on the map for the 90s. <laughs> ah, that's right. Yeah, good old Lion's Gate. <laughs> yep. For those who don't know, Cube is just that. It is a low-budget oddity that has become slowly a cult hit. Uh, just a creepy-looking poster following kind of a George Romero, even almost Phantasm levels of just crafting a cyberpunk s sci-fi horror setting and known for its kafka s uh style uh it was followed by a sequel and a prequel and a japanese remake what is this place it's a, a hypercube a four-dimensional cube rooms repeating rooms folding in on themselves teleportation this is the worst nightmare i've ever had for the first time anywhere, Q2 Hypercube premieres tonight at 9 on Sci-Fi. But we'll be primarily focusing on why it kind of just was a video store hit. Just why it just always finds an audience every decade. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. I'm kind of excited to talk about this film. Oh, totally. This was a lot of fun to actually research because usually all the other stuff you can just find on something kind of like when we're doing music, we can just go to all music and find some a better write up than iTunes will give you. And it was like here, uh, you know, with movies, you know, you I do want to do something besides just look at Wikipedia and just react at a hysterical, you know, out of context uh, comment that a pretentious director might have said, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> like here is like you know, we, we got someone who, uh, again, you know, has gone on to do a bunch of other cult movies. Uh, uh, Vincenzo Natale. He later did the indie film Cypher, which was, again, just kind of a cyberpunk movie. Uh, the 2003 psychological comedy, Nothing. And uh, Splice, which you know, might remember being kind of a Lovecraftian kind of. Yeah, that, I enjoyed that one. That was a good movie. I didn't realize that was the same director. Oh, totally. And nice. I, he, he's still working. I didn't realize he was even, uh, he was the main showrunner. Uh, executive producer behind the peripheral that william gibson adaptation on amazon oh nice wow yeah that's impressive he he has done everything just about every sci-fi horror show you can think of darknet hannibal earth final conflict the new lost in space uh lock and key the new stand wayward pines strain orphan blacked and the remake of the returned and ascension and hemlock robe so oh wow great agent um (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, the, so I had seen Q back in the day when it was like a YouTube oddity. And then I, but I kind of just like forgot I had seen it. Like I was kind of man on the fence. I was more familiar with the sequel because it was like, a, even though the sequel went, it was distributed in Canada as well. It was mainly known here in the States as the Sci-Fi Channel original movie. And that's what made me look it up. I'm like, wait, there's a franchise called Cube? And I look it up. I'm like, uh, the original. I'm like, wow. That is a creepy looking poster, <laughs> but it's got a high Amazon rating. I think I'll, you know, look it up. And so I got familiar with it in college. Subject located. Here we go. No! And there you have it. Wow. most half of them don't even notice the letters let alone map them. don't get involved she doesn't stand a chance of course she has a chance yeah you're gonna ride in on your white horse and whisk her out she's gonna die in there and she's probably innocent what are you doing you're not allowed in there no i'm inside Come to help. No! The hell? Letters. They just disappeared. They know I'm here. Move it! Get a squad to the exit point. Run! They're playing with us. Prepared to die. Don't I get a choice? Don't all the condemned get a choice? Yeah, the, this filmmaker is—he's gone on to do some other stuff. You might uh, know some of his other movies: Free '88, Arletta Avenue, Haunter, which starred Abigail Breslin, and uh, Come True is his more recent one. Wow. Okay, I actually just watched that '88 uh, Arletta Avenue uh, about two months ago and really fr- freaking dug it. And then yeah, yeah Come True is really good. Streaming. We're seeing all these movies that were once upon a time just like aired at a lazy Sunday on cable or at, you know, again, at the DVD shelves or again on streaming, but now it's moved to a different streaming due to rights issues. And so, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, and uh, thanks for Tubi for introducing me a lot of the stuff, type of stuff that I would never even think of looking at. Yes. For those who want to see these, you can actually find them all on Tubi. They are all nice. 
uh, it saves everyone the trouble. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'll say you just got to deal with commercials that are actually really well placed. I do actually like the ads because they're often funny and they don't repeat. Um, yeah. Tarantino's well-known cinematographer, Andres Sekula, directed part two. And producer Ernie Barbarush came in and did some reshoots and later directed the Saw filling uh, prequel. <laughs> ah, perfect. Yeah. Um, so, but we're, well, once again, we're going to mainly focus on the first one. Uh, speaking of the Blu-ray, if you want to find the Blu-ray, for those who have seen it, um, there is actually a region-free uh, South Korean Blu-ray you can get according to DVD Compare. And Nice. Uh, you know, it it it's probably the best option because it just has more special features. Like the the others have like typical like making a one on one interviews and storyboards, but it went the extra mile with other commentaries and other like brief behind the scenes featurettes and also the best picture quality. So <laughs> nice. I was saying, I'm sure at some point that'll get a 4K Blu-ray too, just because like everything's slowly getting transferred over to that format. Oh, totally. I I think there are Blu-ray sets of all free films, but it looks like they were, you know, region blocked or mm. not necessarily an upgrade. So you might as well stick with Cube 2 DVD if you just want all the other special features. Zero, I don't think, had any special features. I think it just had ads for other Lionsgate releases. Um, and I have never seen the remake. Uh, you know, as Scott was saying before, he'd only seen parts of the other ones, and he was like, I'm good. <laughs> and I had uh, only seen the trailer for the uh, Japanese remake and was like, it, it might be okay. I'm just, I love the first one so much. I just, I can't set aside my prejudice. I really can't. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get around to it at some point just because I'm a sucker to just watch anything new. And yeah, like I seen the trailer, I watched a YouTube video on it, and it basically sounds like it's a little less bloodless than the first film, which is kind of a uh, lame because I was hoping it'd be a wild. little more. You'd think Japan would go all out. They would. Yeah. And they they don't. Even if when it's Godzilla, there's moments where you're like, I gotta, I can't have kids in the room watching this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless you're 15. Yeah, so I was kind of shocked that yeah, they said it was a little less blood than the first than the original film. I'm going, well, that's kind of a shame. I was hoping to go way more crazy with it. Right. I mean, there are some remakes I'll actually defend a controversial appeal, but I mean, when it's something like that, I just kind of feel like, if anything, uh, so for those out there, there is an awesome book uh, that details, you know, it's called Inside the Making of a Cult Classic that features interviews with the cast, uh, and uh, the director even notes how he hated part two, he applauded the prequel, uh, and, and in all fairness, he actually didn't really like how he had in his mind how to design the cube. And he was like, oh, really? I'm, not I'm not sure what I would have done. And that's where I'm like, you're just too close to the source material. <laughs> but yeah, uh, look at, looking up his resume, he had been like a storyboard artist. And he was mainly noted for uh, doing, I think he had been a storyboard artist on movies like uh, Johnny Mnemonic. And hmm. he was the original guy who was going to actually adapt High Rise before... Uh, and Wheatley did it um uh, but yeah uh, he had worked with all kinds of people including an unmade version of Swamp Thing for Joel Silver <laughs> oh nice and uh yeah he worked at Nevada Animation and his cinematic influences he cited were Samuel Beckett uh who's just a big black uh, comedy and satirical theater kind of guy and David Cronenberg and Terry Gilliam and uh, that, that that makes sense. I definitely get a moments of Brazil or like a less gory, you know, people in control kind of moment. <laughs> yeah, I'll say it. I can definitely see a little bit of Cronenberg influence. Oh, a thousand percent. Um, funny enough, uh, the director also noticed uh, how he often goes to the same Stargate panels. Cause, <laughs> oh, nice. Because David Hewlett, who was later on Stargate, you know, Atlantis, you know, is big on there and people like his movies because he's either playing an asshole or bad guy or just a comic relief in every other movie. <laughs> and uh, 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 there's almost always one who asks them to sign a copy of Cube. 
and it nice. makes sense for him to be there. And in all fairness, I have seen some kind of Stargate episodes kind of do similar stuff like this, but I feel this is almost kind of like a tw- this could have easily been a Twilight Zone or Outer Limits kind of episode. Yeah, like this, it totally feels like that kind of just like out of nowhere. Like <laughs> it is just unique. It's it was a unique concept, and I could totally have seen this like being like the reveal at the end of like the final Saw film. You were all stuck in a cube of traps. Hewlett <laughs> <laughs> did applaud that they went as deep as they did with the prequel. It's just he what wasn't really much of a torture porn kind of guy, but he was just like, hey, I'm at least people know what the fuck Cube is. <laughs> right. It's been kept alive in different iterations. Um, it's all together interesting how it even evolved. I, I actually don't mind how it kind of went compared to most franchises, which just kind of, you know, would just do, you know, a children in the cord thing, just put Stephen King on it and put kids in corn fields and, you know, fuck around <laughs> right no like uh because I, like i said i never did watch the sequel but just looking up some videos before we got on the show and yeah they definitely went a very different route while still kind of keeping the same theme yeah i mean to their credit they use cgi and they still have enough of decent angles and music to create tension but i think the breaking point is you do some of the characters just drive everyone crazy where you just mm want them to die before the uh i almost kind of find these similar to cold prey which is kind of another claustrophobic kind of yeah i can see that but uh, i i don't know if any of them crossed over or had any other crew working on them probably not uh but uh, i mean this is pretty uh this is a pretty big canadian film series i guess you could say this yeah because i completely forgot it was canadian yeah and basically it took about two years like it didn't make any money in canada but was a video store hit and they did q a's at various festivals and the director noted how they were kind of rock stars behind the scenes but they really only saw the results coincidentally around 99 in places like cons and france where uh, blair witch was becoming big that same year oh wow okay Apparently, yep. the original did air on the Sci-Fi channel around 99. But see, again, I only saw part two that they aired on there. Yeah. I've uh, seen bits and that because that's where I originally seen like certain scenes from the original Cube because I had caught like bits and pieces of it on the Sci-Fi channel one night at my grandparents' house. And then <laughs> I always seen it at the video store and wanted to rent it after seeing those bits and pieces, but never got around to it until, like I said, I, started, I watched it for the first time two years ago and yeah, I wish I would have watched it back then because I would have had a blast with it. I totally. I, I do. I do not know what the hell was wrong with me. Why did this not click with me? I mean, God's sake, Star Trek: Dead Zone, babe. Nicole DeBoer was in this. <laughs> she plays John. Right. Uh, so apparently, this was inspired by the Twilight Zone episode from uh, season season three, which is five characters in search of an exit. Hmm seem as familiar as well as alfred hitchcock's lifeboat <laughs> i could see that as well <laughs> oh man um what's more electrifying to me though and uh potential trigger warning since we're going to be describing some gory encounters uh spoiler warning because there's just no not spoiling it we're, we're going to talk yeah. about who the real villain is in these movies um you've been warned final warning <laughs> okay now <laughs> uh so uh the biggest surprise for me was uh Maurice Dean Wint. You might know him from uh as the evil cyborg in Robocop Prime Directives. Yeah, I'm going campy there, uh, as well as Scout in Captain Power. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> he was also the voice of Shadow King in the X-Men cartoon from the 90s and Oh nice. He's another Canadian regular uh uh more recently he's been on Stephen King's Haven. Uh, but uh yeah, I, I it's so wild just seeing how he they, they describe it. This is even more frightening nowadays because it's like they describe it as like uh, every they give you again, you don't know what timeline or where this is all set, just somewhere in the future, and everyone's trapped in this cube-shaped prison. And you know, Hewlett's character 
David just goes around, you know, he's like the designer. Uh, it had no idea that this would be used. He had worked at a prison. I, I love how uh, uh, Maurice's character, Quentin, they're just like, yeah, he's basically a bad cop. But yeah, by the end, they, one of them even lets out, you Nazi. <laughs> yeah. When they are and, kicking his ass. <laughs> and basically even like said something about him basically being a pedophile towards his children and stuff like that. Oh, that's right. Oh my god! It's like, yeah. oh, like it was right after that she called him a Nazi, and you got and he slapped her. I think. Well, yeah, and well deserved. Well deserved that he gets com- his comeuppance. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just fucking die already, dude. You, you're not a cop. <laughs> you're just a oh shithead. yeah, he was. He started off like you're like, okay, I kind of get behind this character a little bit, and then as it just goes from each room to each room, he just gets worse and worse and worse, and you're like, holy shit. He kind of. He slightly lets the cat out of the bag, so to speak, when when he says, you know, who cares? Keep going, you know. <laughs> and then yeah. everyone else is, you know, empathetic. Is like, no, we got to save everybody. We need each other. <laughs> I like that was kind of like the time you're going, okay, yep, this dude's gonna be an issue. <laughs> we yeah, we think we're gonna hate David at first, and it's like, no, he's a he's a jackass, but he is not a, a douchebag, so to speak, who will leave someone behind. <laughs> right. He's a coward. Like- but not to where he'll leave you, you know, like Paul Reiser, you know, in Aliens. He's not going to Oh, hell no. And uh, I think the ones that I've, that you were made, made, to be, made to feel for and the ones I actually did feel for was uh, Kaz- uh, Kazan and uh, what's her name? Uh, Levin. Yeah, Kazan, that, that is some good acting there uh, for showing his, uh, he's mentally handicapped and uh, he's basically uh he he's the main guy who's helped design this place um i like how there's uh, another guy who's like a well-known escape artist and this is like the one prison he cannot escape <laughs> yeah and it was so funny like when you're watching this and they're like oh i know him he's that famous escape artist he's like i can get out of anything and you're mm-hmm. like yep, that's that's the sign of your doom in this next room sure enough <laughs> right and he dies in such a horrific way too my god the acid in his yeah. face oh uh, yeah every this really does uh the deaths are well timed but not like the only highlight like the only reason you would watch this and uh julian richens plays alderson you might know him as death from supernatural oh yep free finger and wrong turn and plenty of other indies like detroit rock city hardcore logo mimic oh man he was really, three uh, three finger and wrong turn oh that's Ha, that's great. <laughs> he was also an X-Men Free, Man of Steels, The Rainbow Kid, Prisoner X, Chaos Walking, man, and just all other kinds of movies, even the 80s War of the Worlds. So man. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a good resume right there. Holy These crap. guys are all cult people. They are all cult actors. Yeah, that and I think that's kind of what helps because it's not like anybody like anybody you would instantly recognize like they're more like backdrop characters or like you said cult actors so it just kind of helps like be the make this film more uh suck you into to its reality yeah even more surreal in a way like they you feel like they could be your next door neighbor or the douchebag who you work with at work who you want to try and get fired you know this all that kind right. of surrealness um so just seeing all these influences i'm just blown away because i mean like man you know it just i i kind of feel like he's still this filmmaker he went back to kind of rule filmmaking rule number one that george romero and others have kind of been in sam raimi have been kind of side for just one location one gimmick take it away (laughs) yeah and and just pretty much you base your film on like the uh character interactions and the chemistry between these characters and the film does it greatly yeah and i mean unlike any it's i mean it goes beyond even the genre like there's these cyberpunk type designs but it's not just a simple you know star trek or matrix type thing it's not even a uh you know a slasher necessarily like a horror movie typically likes to do it's kind of a it it just goes beyond it's just like natural freaking out natural death traps natural uh just well, maybe unnatural technically, but it's still, right. it's just like, it's, it's, it, if anything, they, they went back to, uh, 
Greek mythology with the, with the Minotaur maze. You know, just... yeah, yeah, no kidding. Actually, that's a great concept right there. <laughs> I'm surprised more people haven't done that. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah. So the, uh, just looking at the making of this and how you know that there's uh, all together. I mean, uh, uh, the filmmaker is pretty much he's never left it. He's basically, uh, you know, he based it off a short film he made called Elevated, and according hmm. uh, to Wikipedia, his cinematographer on uh, from CBC Films uh, noted how he had to kind of develop a strategy for shooting in a tightly confined elevator, and that was what he used for their Toronto soundstage that they had for Cube. And he's like, "Yeah, oh, wow." That, so they're pretty much just going to just natural kind of everyday kind of uh, nitpicks that we have. You know, we've always had, I don't want to fucking die in an elevator. So. <laughs> right. Like the claustrophobia and just be feeling of being trapped. And right. Hell, these uh, rooms even kind of act like elevators because they would move up and down and shift all over the place. <laughs> yes. I was always freaked out by... Uh, you know, the theatrical poster has all these neon lights of, you know, a guy crawling through a vent, almost like Bruce Willis and Die Hard. But uh, mm-hmm. I uh, I was always freaked out by the actual like American release cover because the the man, the character, whoever it was, just looks so isolated. Uh, yes. He almost looks like Robert Duvall in that George Lucas's film THX 1138. And it was more orange. So I I accidentally thought, oh, those orange panels. He's gonna get burnt, burnt like in an oven. I'm like, no, no, it's not that bad, but still, it's freaky. It's creepy. Yeah, I'll say, yeah, because each room kind of like just gives you that creepy vibe. Like, like you could, like, especially when you go into those red rooms in there, you could, they could have been like on fire type situation. Like, <laughs> you never know, like that. And that's you never know. And I, I kind of like the puzzle of this when they're just trying to figure out, like okay, which room is a trap room? Which one is not? Which one can we go into? And like, luckily having the right people in there that know how to navigate to an extent. I mean, obviously some fail, but (laughs) still, like, I love the concept of this, that it's like, it's a maze that you go through at your own risk. And uh, yeah, there are... You don't get a second chance. You don't get a respawn. You don't have an interactive hologram. (laughs) Right. Like, what did they say? There was over 17,000 different variations of rooms in that cube or something crazy they, they said some crazy number i would have to watch it three more times to get it all uh <laughs> let me see if i when i took notes when i saw it on 2b because yeah, i think it was like 400 something rooms on each side and then doing the cubic multiplication multiplications and all that stuff and yeah, i think it was like seventeen thousand variations has anyone has it been almost like diehard free where everyone actually tries to do the math and see if that adds up <laughs> oh, I, sh- I totally should have tried. <laughs> Being an accountant, I'm surprised hard. I didn't pull right my didn't pull out my calculator and start doing it right away. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, there you go. Let's get out our laptop calculator. Yeah, um, I'm gonna kind of look it up right now. <laughs> so, film composer Mark Corbin, I did some digging on him. He composed the electronic music and released the soundtrack in 2018. I think I did see that you could stream the soundtrack there on iTunes. He went, later went on to score Mike Eggers' uh, A24 films, as well as Scott Derrickson's The Black Phone. And he returned to work with the filmmaker on, again, The Peripheral. He's, uh, I didn't realize he had scored Amazon's Them. Oh, wow. Uh, that, I don't know if you've seen that 50s Jim Crow set. Uh, yeah her film show uh he also scored the canadian crime show the border as well as amc's uh the terror so pretty busy yeah it's great to see that all these uh people are like that have gone on to, like do much bigger things too uh, that's totally. great uh the, bl- the the other blonde actress uh uh i think uh her name is um yeah nikki judd Dagny, she reminded me almost of Amanda Plummer, kind of. Yeah, I was like, she looked very familiar to me. Like, and I was trying to pinpoint where I knew her from. She has worked on stage radio, so we got a lot of legal Canadian stuff. Select episodes of shows like Goosebumps, uh, documentaries and voiceovers, 
Oh, okay. So here's the one that collects a Nero Wolf mystery. Ah, okay. A and E noir show. Okay. Uh, and Silent Hill. She played Eleanor. Okay. So. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> that's that's where. It, yeah, that word. That's where it clicks for my horror brain. <laughs> but she was actually in Ready or Not, so I will keep an eye out for that. Oh, no kidding! Wow. Shit. Um, Carrie Matchett, who was in Part Two, was also on Nero Wolf. So. Hmm. she's been a lot of them have been in canadian shows but they've been in like the most like atypical episodes or the less talked about ones and or just the roles that no one talks about enough but when you think about it long and hard you're like oh man that person did do one hell of a job <laughs> right i'll say now this would be good uh, this would be this good talking point to have heather on because yeah she probably knows all these actors knows exactly what shows they were on like right off the bat <laughs> i mean she, she would but i mean she doesn't watch as much tv other than you know trailer park boys and right i'll say yeah, she doesn't watch nearly as much tv anymore but i know she used to watch a lot oh okay well, I, I just know she's a bigger movie <laughs> um yeah pretty much since we started podcasting she like basically just dove straight into movies more than anything uh, no, all fairness i mean there are so many shows like now you pretty much have to watch like three to five episodes you can't yeah <laughs> just two or you'll forget and, what happened and if and like if anyone's like me it's like if i don't start from the season one like when it's airing or whatever oh yeah then i'll probably never go back because then i'll feel too overwhelmed with all the other episodes that are out there mm -hmm. some of them i can wait like for years uh, i almost kind of wish they could have done a tv show like this uh, there was one show on there uh on sci-fi called uh helix that when i looked at it i'm like oh. is that a cube type show <laughs> like no it's just a weird dystopian society but it almost looks like it had some cube type designs i mean it's not hard to design a cube but it's all it's still i gotta applaud all these guys i mean they did a very visually stunning film yeah i'll say it looks like it's it looks futuristic and also just like i say like the color palette for each different room and all that stuff like just kind of makes it pop and like yeah like just the unique designs for everything that's you going on in this need, film you really don't need digital domain or industrial light magic to do your effects every movie and sometimes you just can't afford rob Bowden, stan winston or robert kurtzman it's just not all of them are available <laughs> right and i'll say like and sometimes that makes your film better when you don't have like a high name person because a lot of those people will just know how to use uh shadows to hide their stuff or just know how to use just just enough to show on screen to make it effective bingo don't have to deal with egos don't have to deal with all other sorts of bullshit yeah. exactly so co-writer Graham Manson, he has won a bunch of sci-fi awards, including the Hugo and Writers Guild of Canada for his work on Orphan Black. Oh, um, nice. And he's done a bunch of other comedies and movies. Um, but uh, yeah, so again, you know, just everyone's just in the making, just kind of plowing away. And it's kind of cool seeing people acknowledge it. I've definitely seen Hulet and Nicole DeBoer uh, acknowledge it on their social media. Um, and I mean, this is just a very dense world and I, you know, hats off uh, this. Okay. So the budget was approximately nineties dollars, Canadian dollars, 350,000. Oh, wow. That's nothing. Yeah. I'm wondering how much I made like with a, because I'm sure this is more like a VHS blockbuster type thing. Right. What were the video sales? Um, yeah. That says a lot because I mean, probably the biggest, the one that made some bigger dough that same year that was also by Lionsgate was uh, probably Wishmaster. You know, that was a five million. Oh, thing that yep. was 15 million. <laughs> yeah. And you had uh, the name of Wes Craven behind that one too to help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He put his name on it. And in all fairness, I mean, it was a horror comedy like Gremlins and Hellraiser. So, you know, it just, it, just, it was going to make dough. Oh, 100%. And it was, and it was a fun ass movie, too. Oh, yeah. It, it got me back into horror. I was just like, yeah, See, same. Not all of them are. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> not all of them are dumb or scream knockoffs. Some of them can just be just fun. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I will admit, I was, uh, sucked into the scream knockoffs for a bit just because i was craving horror after like seeing craving scream and i'm like craving. yes and i'm like come on i'm hoping this one's the next good one to hook me in i know you did that summer eh. 
All right, let's just do it. Urban Legends. Uh, all right. Wishmaster. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it's like oh. it, it's like you kept eating just every food that your body doesn't agree with. And then finally you get just this wonderful piece of dark chocolate. <laughs> yes, and you're like, yes, I'm gonna savor this. Oh, and I will yeah. watch this movie 20 times in a row till I break the VHS tape. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, uh, one of these days, I'll show you my. Uh, hell, I'll, when we're done, I'll show you my uh, Halloween costume. I, I my my cosplay of Wishmaster that I made one time. Oh, nice! And no yeah, one, yeah, I'd love to see that. No one knew who the fuck I was, which kind of makes it even better, honestly. It does, but it was just kind of annoying. I'm like, I'm I'm pinhead, but I'm not. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'll grant oh. you some wishes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I even did that prank on someone who was trying to sell me insurance at the college I was doing that at. <laughs> is that what you wish to make a sell? <laughs> that is great. <laughs> and he was like, get away from me. Okay. <laughs> you weirdo, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, so, I... I'm disturbed. Apparently, each character's name is connected with a real-life prison. I thought they just made that up for the movie. Really? Leavenwood Prison is a prison in Northeast Kansas. San Quentin. I, I forgot that they even said that, but yeah, that's a deal. Uh, Leavenwood. Is, wow. Uh, oh, actually, they're both Leavenwood. Yeah, sorry. I'm just reading off of that. Hollywood uh, Women's Prison is from London. In England. <laughs> uh, that's kind of clever. You're right. Central Penitentiary de Rennes is from France. Um, and Alderson uh, Federal Prison Camp is from West Virginia. Jesus, where have I been? Wow, I only that's know kinda... about Rikers Island. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, and wow, uh, that's disturbing. So prisons are wow. going to get even worse in the future is what that's telling me yeah i was gonna say like uh boy so this so cube is gonna be the new prison this should be fun <laughs> that would actually be really disturbing if you heard just like some leaks like scandal of a joint chief guy is like going to movies for inspiration but he's not kidding but everyone else right. is laughing it off is like no that douchebag is not kidding he's going he's copying all these movies and taking them out of context <laughs> trying to get some funding oh Oh man, that, that would happens, be uh, something. I definitely will move. <laughs> right, but like, all right, Heather, I'm coming across that border. I'm gonna You're come, right. come, come stay with you, Canada. Please, <laughs> I will clean. Bring us in as refugees. I will Windex it every day. <laughs> and trust me, I'm not like a typical American that's carrying a gun around with me everywhere I go. I'm, I'm good. Right. I promise. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not stuffing my face and and having a white beater shirt <laughs> i mean i might be stuffing my face but that's a well, that i know but i just mean just being unhelpful and farting and making you're right suggest- you're not doing that <laughs> no now, i might drive her nuts just because you know we're best friends and i, I know the right <laughs> what are friends for <laughs> exactly that's what i have to do oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it that one schwarzenegger movie just doing my job <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm uh... doing what i'm supposed to <laughs> man, oh, uh, man i definitely gotta say i did like uh like looking back at this film nowadays like yeah you could definitely see a lot of uh the influences this film has had like uh like the uh laser beam kill in oh Resident Evil. yes that was actually how it kept getting reminded to me because there would be video games let alone video game movies like that I think, yeah, Paul W.S. Anderson, I think he had seen that one day at the Blockbuster, and he, I think he noted in the commentary, I love the movie too, so I'm going to copy the laser trap. Um, I'm trying and to I was think, like, isn't there another movie that uses a laser trap, and everyone always goes, oh, Resident Evil, but other people say, no, Cube. Before it was yeah, there. I think there was another one at some point. Let's look it and, up. And I was saying, then, you know, obviously... Um, even the escape room movies are uh i didn't totally think this. about that but yes <laughs> escape room is pretty much going to every claustrophobic cult movie yeah i was like hell cube may have even inspired the real escape rooms that we do <laughs> yeah it's true when you see escape room you're thinking okay so it's a final destination where it's all about the traps and characters can wave is like yeah they probably did see every other claustrophobic 
underground cult movie at Fantasia Festival or something, you know? Oh, 100%. I'll uh, say, like, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, the Making of Book noted some other movies that they consider knockoffs, uh, and that they brought up 2009's Exam. Really? I don't know. I have not seen that one. Okay, so that's pretty much like every other kind of movie, a bunch of strangers with nothing in common all together, slowly revealing clues. Okay. And testing their ethics. And it was one of those, I saw it, I thought it was all right, but it's I'm due for a rewatch because it seems like it just keeps growing every year. Like it is almost always listed as, you know, like movies set in one location, you know, like rope, <laughs> uh, sleeper uh, mystery horror films. And yeah, I was saying, like, I, that's some of my all-time favorite horror is isolation horror. So it works perfect. That's why this film works right. so well for me. They, they brought up Triangle as just kind of an... Oh, yeah. Good, and I, I was wild that they brought that up because I kind of got that claustrophobic effect from Christopher... Is his name Young or... Sh Let's see. Yes. Okay. No. That's the film composer. That's the original composer. Triangle 2009. Oh, editing is fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, Christopher Smith. Uh, he did a 2004 movie that I saw on HBO and Cinemax quite a lot in college called uh, Creep. Oh, yes. Okay, so there you go. And, nice. And so when I saw that, I was like, I'm kind of feeling just like that movie. So I, I, I wouldn't, I'm sure he had to have seen it. A lot of indie guys, they hate mainstream movies, and that's not to say they're mean or anything they just don't like the money being wasted on the screen on overrated stars it's just their preference but so they, yeah. they typically will watch another indie movie so i mean it, it makes sense to me that yeah they, they would have seen exam they would have seen triangle they would have seen some of these other ones but i just find it ironic that exam does have colin salmon who is oh, wow. the victim in resident evil against lasers <laughs> oh that is funny <laughs> oh man in between James Bond and Punisher Warzone, I had to be the money shot on Resident Evil. <laughs> like the one scene in that movie that I still remember to this day that's actually worthwhile. The rest of the movie I tend to forget because not really that good to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Do you want the Paul W. Anderson uh, Resident Evil or do you want what he's actually good at doing like Pandorum or Event Horizon? <laughs> yeah, right. This does okay. kind of have an Event Horizon feel almost. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like they're just going to all the basic tropes that, again, just every other Night of the Living Dead or Alien kind of movie has done. But instead of being hunted by a creature, they're they're trying to avoid getting killed by just anything. Yeah. And stop moving. It's... Yeah, and even like not knowing what the thing is that could kill them in each room. That's great. Like, what was it? There was one that was like gas room or something like that, and then there was like an ass room. There was a like gas a wire room. room that that gave me a Holocaust kind of feel because I watched so much documentaries. I'm like oof if that yeah so, so that that for me alone confirms that this is a fascist government whoever's doing this who's ever making them the guinea pigs in the room that they, they are repeating history and by history i mean the worst possible chapters they are yep and they're doing this just for fun because they're sick they bastards. think it's fun they're not even i don't when you when the movie ends you don't you get this it's still so isolated but not in a way where the viewer isn't interacting with it but, but you feel like yeah like for all we know it could be even a cyborg computer like skynet you know, like right yeah because it doesn't give you anything on they're what... not learning anything from this they're just doing it because it's on the schedule man <laughs> yeah i was saying like how like even like us as viewers this could have been out in space we have no freaking idea like they just left it so open-ended like the, especially the first film obviously when the sequels came out and prequel they explained all that and gave him more backstory but like yeah this first film plays off that perfectly where it's just like yep you're not you're just not going to get answers for this <laughs> it's like you have no idea where you're at you have no idea where Kazan just walked out of because he just went to a white light and then that's the end of the movie who the hell knows what <laughs> happened to him <laughs> like i love that like sometimes like just not over explaining things makes things even more intriguing Oh, totally. It, it really doesn't. And like you mentioned earlier, because everyone's an unknown, they don't rely on carrying the movie. They add to yeah. it. Yeah. 
and yeah they add to it like their chemistry amongst themselves like it worked like that's what all of them built the tension more than the trap rooms themselves totally i there's several moments where i'm just looking at i'm like i wonder how much of those are like actual paintings lit up how much those are actual just the gaffers going to town how much of that is just how it's already just shot (laughs) yeah like i found this just be like a fantastic movie and they could have just never made sequels and i would have been completely fine with that uh totally Uh, and this is just the problem we want more but yet we really don't need more (laughs) right because sometimes more it it starts uh poking holes into a lot of the theories Mm -hmm. um because yeah i know it's like ends up being like some type of like by the prequel you find out it's like some type of government experiment where they're they're using (laughs) prisoners at first and then they just started kidnapping random people and making them sign things that um sign waivers uh while they're all drugged up and then thrown in there just for the fun of it it's like okay yeah Yeah, part two for me almost felt like they were implying that it's almost a 1984 type society and that they are it's weird it does in like a typical wtf is you know x-files vision where you're just like i'm not sure what i just saw but it was catchy it's it's in my head but uh you know i kind of just like it just for the art design and the acting by carrie matchett and drunk wayne davies uh who you guys might know respectively from invasion and 24 and uh what's the other show uh forever night <laughs> but oh i never even heard of that one. Oh, really okay that's yeah a, that was an 80s vampire show that's Oh, wow. Uh, Okay, I have to do some digging for this one now. I'm curious. (laughs) 80s vampire show. I am sold. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I couldn't get into part three. I I just didn't like how the gore was animated. It was a mixture of practical Mm. and CGI. And I don't know. I just kept expecting the jigsaw voice. (laughs) If anything, I would have rather with these kind of a Hellraiser kind of vibe. It's like, what if some like demon just placed them all here and uh, he brought the biggest douchebags and we, the audience, have to see who will redeem themselves and not be selfish and which ones will just, you know, succumb to their uh, self desire and, you know, get an awesome death. <laughs> right. Like, oh man. But since you brought up like Hellraiser, that makes me think, man, if this was uh, given to Dimension, they would have somehow uh, oh, they spliced in Pinhead in here and made it a Hellraiser sequel, and it would have been total. I would have totally been on board because it's like, oh, you guys are inside a giant lament configuration, and you're solving the puzzle from the inside. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, literally, it is inside. Yeah, the actual cube that Pinhead carries. There you go. <laughs> I was like, I would be sold on that. I'm like, now that's a sequel I'd like to see. <laughs> Maybe it's a board cube. I don't know. Oh, there we go. Even better. <laughs> it's horror. It's Star Trek got. Um, but yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> uh, I, I would be down for a Hellraiser's crossover, even though it'll never happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, maybe. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> the, the, does Hulu own it or does Lionsgate own it? Uh, the uh, Hellraiser film? Yeah. Is it, I, I, think guess... it's, uh, I think it's Hulu now. Okay. I'm perfect. <laughs> Yeah, because I think they finally got it out of the hands of Dimension, thankfully. <laughs> yes, thank God. Freaking Weinsteins. Um, yeah. Or Wanksteins, as I call them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Um, Seeing that name just gives me a bad taste in my mouth all the time now. Uh, maybe we never speak of that. Winter is coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, if... Uh, what what what's your favorite moment i guess if if anything oh man um i think my favorite moment like because i'm be i'm the huge gore hound of my like of the podcast that i do and everything and mm-hmm. i love i love practical effects and gore and i for me i have to go with one of the kills and that kill is uh the acid splash kill to ren's face and just seeing <laughs> his face dissolving and collapsing upon, upon itself Oh yes, I wonder how they did that one. Yeah, I'm very curious because I love how it actually shows a lot of it. And they pan away and then they pan back, and it's fully caved in its head. I'm like, oh, it looks so brutal. <laughs> and, but yeah, I just I 
and yeah, once again, I, I love just the whole idea of this film, like the concept of the different rooms and the different traps. The idea and all is that just stuff. so much bigger than anything. You know, it's just, the worst thing you can do is just make a movie that's just, you know, robotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was saying, like, I love the idea of the, the prime numbers and all that stuff. And just like, you know, there's very uh, specific ways of being able to solve this and trying to move on. And they don't and, have the answers to anything. They're like, sorry, sorry, we're estimated. <laughs> right. Like, we're trying to guess this. We're doing this. So we're trying to use shoes in some rooms. Oh, that didn't work in this room. All right. We'll try prime numbers. Oh, that didn't <laughs> work for this, this room. room. Shit. <laughs> no way we're going in that room. I might go in that room, but I want someone else to go in that room. <laughs> yeah, let me push someone else in there first. <laughs> Freaking Quint. <laughs> Freaking Quint. Uh, I was almost expecting a Wilhelm noise. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Like, you hear that almost in everything nowadays. So, yeah, I'm kind of shocked there wasn't one. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I think it would probably, like, yeah, my favorite would probably be that acid splash kill just because, like, I, I love just seeing, like, comeuppance. Come well, comeuppance, uh, the irony of that, like, with them having the dialogue of, like, oh, I can escape from anything and then go into the next room and instantly get killed. I just mm -hmm. love that irony. Um, because all horror films you can you can call it a mile away when someone says something like that you're like yep you're dead very soon here <laughs> but i love that like um but yeah I d i'm like i just love the practical effects of this and i love how like it just makes me want to learn how they did that oh totally and it's not politically incorrect but the the mental character does survive so that's that gives yeah. you some ray of hope which is cool because he has no way to defend himself yeah i was gonna say like you, you make him uh quinn make you hate him even freaking more with the way he's like trying to hurt hurt that guy and like slam up against the wall and stuff and it's like yeah you are a big piece of shit right well, like i just want i wanted something very gruesome to happen to that guy and unfortunately it was like more off screen right <laughs> i think they probably spent most of their budget on the opening kill and then that ren kill <laughs> <laughs> oh man Oh man, oh man. Uh I, I do recall uh bad cop, uh Quentin, he gets like ripped apart by their scenery and it was pretty glorious. Oh crap, maybe I didn't okay, maybe I looked away at the wrong time because like I said, I was watching this at work, so I... no, it's all good. I mean you're gonna have to rewatch these multiple. There's so much going on in the movie and I'm not <laughs> I I honestly didn't remember it because I was just so blown away. I was just <laughs> almost felt like there was an actual hemorrhage on my brain <laughs> um uh but yeah i mean and I, I like how david you know he he pretty much says fuck it i'm just gonna die next to uh joan <laughs> yeah i was gonna say because they were like starting to make a bond and everything before quentin came in and ruined it and killed her which when he Where killed her he I, that, just... that lever i think he tore yeah. it off of one of the machineries he saw yeah, but that that was like the kill that hurt me because I'm just like, oh, I freaking liked her. You're right. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> Fucking asshole. And it didn't feel like they ran out of ideas or anything or just wanted a cheap reaction. Like, no, they uh, time to end the movie and <laughs> time to end the movie and just kind of leave you wondering and wanting more. Yeah. yeah. Best kind Which is of a good way. Uh, I take it back. Cross it over with Phantasm. What was that? I take it back. Cross it over with Phantasm. Oh yes. The okay. Tall man was yeah. Behind it all. <laughs> that was one of Tall Man's dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's all an alien contraption. It's not even on Earth. Hmm. Somewhere. Actually, it's the it's it's inside one of the Sentinel spheres, the one of the giant ones in Phantasm Five. <laughs> mm, there you go. And then Reggie and. Ash from Evil Dead come out of nowhere and say, "All right, Ben, welcome to the party." <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's go pick up some ladies and let's go save the day. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing you know, there's zombies in there. <laughs> okay, uh, I want to see this collaboration now. It's <laughs> uh, all good. Fandom. It might actually make a better fan fiction or fan film. Oh, it totally would. But it's still <laughs> just a great thing to think about. Right. Just only think. <laughs> only think. <laughs> Only thing you maybe write it down as a story that they just always look back and go, you know, could have done something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, so you saw part of the remake or 
just the trailer i uh it was just the trailer and like i yeah. said a guy doing like a review of it and it seems he like basically found it pretty dull yeah he says it wasn't anything like the original's better and he said that like honestly uh like i had a lot of like the similar character archetypes from the first film and followed <laughs> a lot of the certain paths like that you know like okay i seen this in the first film okay i seen this in the first film they <laughs> apparently they did switch up some things and apparently uh one of the end traps doesn't make a whole lot of sense but they had mm. some other words he says it was uh the guy that i listened to he was saying like it was still fun but it yeah it just wasn't nearly as good as the first <laughs> which <sighs> makes me curious because i now just want to see like the difference <laughs> what's that one um uh awful clip on hercules i am disappointed <laughs> yes <laughs> he, he read the stage direction as an accidentally as a part of dialogue <laughs> he read it deliberately and it became an internet meme <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that is so good. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel like every other movie should break the fourth wall now. It's just like, oh, 100%. Doing? I don't know. But I'm disappointed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll say there was a new movie that came out, uh, that, like, I think this month called Run Sweetheart Run, that does a little bit of fourth wall breaking, which is uh, pretty uh, entertaining. Like, it's a dark film with a dark theme behind it, but like, the antagonist oh, yeah. in it. It keeps getting promoted on Prime. They recut it and had it be one of their original movies. Yep, and yeah, he uh the, the antagonist in that is one of the characters from Game of Thrones. And he uh-huh. just does a great job in this and he uh always looks at the camera and like basically just like moves his hand to make the camera look away from what he's about to do and stuff like that. <laughs> I was like, I kind of like this. I, like I love it when the movies break the fourth wall a bit because it's like bringing the audience in with it <laughs> we're gonna spinal tap the shit out of this yes oh man another good movie right there, <laughs> there you go. i get annoyed when everyone's like oh deadpool originated i'm like oh, every other movie your show's done that oh 100 deadpool is fun don't get me wrong no, but yeah, I'm not, 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 not original not at all. This, but i just get annoyed when everyone acts like it only began with that <laughs> yeah it may have only began with that for those people because <laughs> I mean, they may be still new to film. now but it was always here <laughs> yep it was always here go look for the granddads of this <laughs> oh man where in a world can we find the friday nightmares podcast oh you want to know about those weirdos huh all right <laughs> wise guy wise guy well, yeah, you can find Heather Powell and me, Smoke Show Crawford, on the Friday Nightmares podcast. Uh, we are part of the Legion Podcast Network. Um, you can either find us, search us up by either KTC Presents, the Friday Nightmares podcast, or just the Friday Nightmares podcast. Um, and yeah, we release a show bi-weekly, uh, anywhere between... Horror. You've been you've been on a roll with yeah. the themes. I've been digging it. It's... Yeah, so yeah, we started with like, a, I think it was just last January, we started doing Around the World and just like each episode, just kind of covering a couple movies from each country that we can think of or each language. And right. I'm trying to think what the last one was. Uh, oh, the last one was Israeli Horror. And uh, our episode that we're recording this Friday is going to be uh, Horror from Thailand. I was actually going to ask you how you did Thailand Horror. <laughs> yep, we're doing... Uh, Inhuman Kiss and uh, The Medium. Yeah, that one was on a lot of people's list from last year and uh, I believe still on Shudder, but it's one that I and oh yes, I this. somehow missed last year, so I'm glad that we're going to be covering it because I really want to see it because I've been hearing a lot of good oh, things. Okay, I have seen this one. I know, I think Jennifer Lynch, that's right, daughter of David Lynch, did a movie there. Oh, really? And it was one she disowned. They edited in the room, but I saw. I'm like, you know, it's interesting. It's just got awkward edits and unfinished CGI, but it's it's got some interesting atmosphere, like, like something you can kind of just watch and see. Like I could see this like being a full movie type thing. Yeah, there's a better movie in there somewhere. Unlike other ones where you're like, yeah, well, whatever's there, I don't want to even know. The, the experience was <laughs> right. painful. You know? Release this uh, guy. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like uh. 
yeah on our on our show too we do like a what we watch segment and we just cover yes you do oh my god like anywhere between 10 to 15 2022 horror films <laughs> yeah not traveling around the world for this segment we're just kind of watching whatever we're greedy little hands can get on and we'll watch like something old if we have the time and then we'll also do a new segment called what's new where we cover uh different horror themed or horror adjacent topics so like we could do mm-hmm. like talk about a horror like we went to a dark ride or went to a haunted house or talk about a podcast or a book or a video game whatever and uh nice. then our then our out of the dark topic it, or yeah out of the dark segment is usually like a topic discussion based thing off of something that's going on currently so like enlightening stuff yeah yeah so i think we did our last episode we did our halloween ends review and gave like a big spoiler review of it and just like talked about our thoughts on it and like ideas on what they could have done differently with it that's all you can do (laughs) yeah i'll say this you know just something just random horror nerds could talk about just shoot the shit and pick on each other at the same time because that's what we do (laughs) (laughs) as long as no one gets hurt um i'll definitely invite you to some of the franchise rankings we'll do (laughs) oh yes please do I'll uh, say we're, I, I we're could, gonna uh, do a ultimate Freddy versus Jason franchise face-off. Ooh. So which has the better part two? Which one has the better part four? Which one has the better part five? You know, it's and oh boy, that, yeah, that sounds great. Even more tricky because yeah, it's like they both got like seven parts and the verses, but you know, Jason makes it to three more movies. So does he have a good right. part eight or a bad part eight? You know? Yeah, I'll say hell. You could almost like was it a. Uh, if there is one more movie to come out, I think uh, Halloween and Friday could be like neck to neck all the way up because I think there's a movie for each one of them. Yeah, that has 13 and that's including the reboot saga. So, hmm, yeah. <laughs> and Friday's apparently got Brian Fuller produced show that will come out. Yeah, I'm curious about that. <laughs> uh, Hannibal Lecter one will be interesting because then we'll argue. Is it a freaky mystery or is it actual legit horror you know <laughs> that'd be interesting right. because everyone varies on that <laughs> or is it going to go the route of the old 80s friday the 13th movie and be in an antique shop <laughs> <laughs> uh, what wares can i say you today sir <laughs> and then the tall man comes out of nowhere boy oh man now he's here too oh you just I know. I fucking doesn't this guy ever leave? Does he? Yeah, (laughs) he's always in the store. What is he doing here? Um, I, 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 we already did Evil Dead, and I didn't know about. I mean, I had heard, but I didn't know it was kind of canon. Regardless of what the filmmakers say on how Ash's Williams is technically part of the Freddy and Jason saga. (laughs) Oh yeah, because they were gonna book of the dead and uh, yeah, but hell appearing in part two in the show. Yeah, I was saying that hell, like, uh, and there was a comic book with Freddy versus right, Ash versus produced, Jason. It was produced by the versus producer, and I'm like, yeah, so it's technically some kind of canon. It's not just a random, you know, Marvel or Dark Horse, you know. Right, hell, thing. even the uh, even the Kandarian dagger is in uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Ooh, I was You're like, going I think- deep, deep. <laughs> Yes, I think that because I think that was used to stab Jason towards the end there. Mm. Same place where they found the Necronomicon. They were both laying right next to each other. I thought the St. Elsewhere universe was complex. This is even more complex. (laughs) Oh, we can we can add to this. (laughs) (laughs) What fresh hell do we want to create and actually embrace be a part of? (laughs) And what fanboys do we really want to piss off? (laughs) Oh, I'll bring it on. Can't be worse than Star Wars or Halloween fanboys. (laughs) Very true very very true <laughs> uh, there are so many uh, my, my, i was joking with my sister yesterday she's like I, i'm a harry potter fan but i don't want to be any part of the fandom especially with the ones who are defending jk rowling he's like yeah fuck those guys <laughs> yeah yeah don't want to be involved with those fuckers at all uh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, i'm i'm having to quit every other comedy podcast because there's always just like at least one who wants to make fun of cancel culture i'm like get more creative guys i'm done yeah i'm done no it's there's a reason guy, well and i'm just tired of how every guy has to be an asshole it's like oh yeah yeah it's common but it shouldn't have to be at this day and age it should be everyone's chill <laughs> yeah just just accept it and move on it's not going to affect your life any differently <laughs> yeah 
if you don't like it then leave my example instead of well i'm proud of who i am well you shouldn't be <laughs> exactly that you're the type of person where i would say don't be proud of who you are <laughs> right uh, well keep pod potting is that how it is or casting keep casting casting a spell I, hmm <laughs> Actually, yeah, you just spoke my D and D heart. Yes, I'll keep casting a spell. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Was this a was this whole saga kind of more of a bigger maze than a D and D game? <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally was. Zildor cast a spell and rolls a die for five. <laughs> and I mean, it even had the little cubes that you use on the maps to like kind of show square footage, so it works. <laughs> Perfect. And then uh, King Arthur from Monty Python comes up. It's only a model. Yes. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Now that is the way to end it. (laughs) That is the way to freaking end it. We'll return after these messages. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always, am I the winner? Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.